Praise the Lord. Can you give God some praise tonight? Yeah, let me know you're out there. Let me know you're alive. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you on this Sunday night. We'll get right into the Word tonight. I want to say it's good to have our pastor back with us today. He preached a wonderful message today. I was really rooting for him, but Kenny used to amaze me. He'd been gone two weeks, haven't had no conversation. He's going along, doing great on his message. Then he wants to jump off the track for about 10 minutes and get over on my message. <laughs> Never fails, but anyway. So I'm just going to tie up with him tonight and try to continue on with what he was speaking because he was talking about transformation and have transformation. You got to have, to have true transformation, you got to have complete transformation. And we're looking and trying to pursue righteousness. We have to look at all the aspects of our lives. And there's another aspect that God's going to bring out tonight and speak to us about tonight. And uh, so we're going to go there. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Leviticus 14. Now I'm going to join those who have an app. If you have a phone app, you don't have one yet. I want to encourage you to get the phone app. We put our scriptures on there every week. You could be reading them up prior to the services. So if you would, go to the Lord, Leviticus 14, verses 33 through 48. I'll be reading the NIV. And it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I'm giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mold in a house in that land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest. I've seen something that looks like a defiling mold in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mold, so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He's to examine the mold on the walls, and if it has greenish or reddish depressions that appear to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out of the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. The mold is spread on the walls. He's ordered that the contaminated stones be torn out and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. He must have all the inside walls of the house scraped and the material that is scraped off dumped into an unclean place outside the town. Then they're to take other stones, replace these, and take new clay and plaster the house. If the defiling mold reappears in the house after the stones have been torn out and the house is scraped and plastered, the priest is to go and examine it, and if the mold is spread in the house, it is a persistent defiling mold. The house is unclean. It must be torn down, its stones and timbers and all the plaster, and taken out of the town to an unclean place. Anyone who goes into the house while it's closed up will be unclean till evening. Anyone who sleeps or eats in the house must wash their clothes. But if the priest comes to examine it and the mold is not spread after the house has been plastered, he shall pronounce the house clean because the filing mold is gone. Brother Marvin, would you pray tonight, please, for this service? Amen. God's been speaking to us a lot lately through several preachers about the fact of the condition of the church and how necessary and important it is to get the, sh the church back in shape, back in order, to make sure the things in the church are clean and that uh, it's reverenced and uh, those things about the church, about God's house. 
And I believe God's pleased with how we're responding and how we're becoming aware of the issues at hand and how we're trying to resolve those things and make sure that our church is in a right standing with the Lord. But then, and I believe, though, as much as he's pleased with that, then we have to come to a place, though, that God says, I, I please, I'm pleased with how you've been responding to about talking about the church house, but would you please just be as earnest about it when I start talking about your house? Because if there's something that has to be happen for the body of Christ to live in complete transformation, is that not only does God's house have to be clean, but your house has got to be clean. And uh, as human beings with so much evil in our society, such as murder and violence and addiction and abuse and witchcraft and sorcery and idolatry, you have to come to the decision about what you truly believe. If there was ever a time in our lives, our homes, our families, you're being attacked by evil spirits or by demonic powers, it's in this day and hour that we're living right now. Now, I know when I begin to speak about demonic foes, I begin to raise a lot of eyebrows. Because there's so many people, even in the church, who don't believe in demonic forces and the powers they possess and the influence they have in our lives. Yet, read our word. Full of incidents of demonic activity. Full of confrontations with demonic forces. Jesus even said, even said he gives us the power to cast out demons. Now, I don't look for a demon under every rock. I know there's times there are those who take it to the extreme. I don't think we need to be unbalanced when we talk about spiritual warfare. But I think we better wake up and realize who our real enemy is. If you don't know, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, who said it best. Paul had it all figured out. All the suffering he went through as an apostle, he knew who his real enemy was. And I'm going to quote a scripture that's so relevant for this hour. I actually used it last week, but I want to quote it again. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul was declaring our battles, our struggles, our hardships come from a spiritual enemy. Although maybe carried out by a physical being at times, but even then they are driven by demonic foes to do evil. You better realize that behind all of this evil is demonic foes. People are being driven by this demonic influence to do evil. All that stuff you see and hear that just blows your mind on the news constantly, you think, you know, how can anyone do that to a child? How can anyone do that to the elderly couple? How can anyone do evil to their mom and dad? How can anyone treat their spouse like that? How can anyone lie like that, cheat like that, manipulate like that, abuse like that, rape like that, murder like that, steal like that? All because of demonic influence that's driving them. Folks, this is why Christ, when hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because Christ was looking into the spiritual realm, seeing the demons that were driving these men to persecute him. He was saying, if they really knew who was doing this to them, he said, they wouldn't be doing this to me. And that is where a lot of people are today doing things for reasons they know not, which are being driven by demonic influence. When Scripture reveals to us that in the last days there will be perilous times, folks, this is all going to be driven by demonic influences. Liberalism is being driven by demonic influence. Someone say amen. Anyone who wants to demoralize our country, destroy our morality, the sanctity of marriage instituted by God and murder innocent babies is being driven by demonic influence. Amen. This is why they can't do good and they do evil. Interesting, a lot of people in our society don't believe in the existence of Satan. Folks, he's real. And if you'll do as your pastor's instructed you to and read your Bibles, you'll see it's declared in his word that he's real. I know this, in this seeker-friendly approach churches are taking, they don't discuss him. But I'm here to tell you that I feel as a minister of the gospel, I'm to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That I have pledged and committed my life to tell you the truth. And that is that Jesus is real. 
Satan is real, heaven is real, and hell is real. And you better believe the whole story, not just part of it. Evil spirits do not come from God. They come from Satan. God does not, nor will he ever be a part of evil. For it was God who cast Lucifer, Satan, out of heaven, along with a third of the angels, demonic foes. And whether you believe it or not, Satan is real. I'll tell you one thing. Until you believe he's real, you're going to be so deceived. See, as Christians, we're at enmity with Satan. Satan hates us. John 10, 10 says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says he roams about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. As a Christian, you're going to find yourself in spiritual warfare, fighting an enemy you can't see, and a spiritual battle has to be fought with spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. As Christians, we should not be afraid of spiritual warfare. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And Christ has given us power over our adversary. He told us we're made more than conquerors. He told us no weapon formed against us shall prosper. He told us that if God be for us, who can be against us? He told us greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He said we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. He told us it's his desire to show himself strong on our behalf. He told us the battle's not ours, it's the Lord's. He told us that our worship would ambush our enemies. He's told us that our prayers were our most powerful weapon. He's told us that his word's sharper than a two-edged sword. He's told us if we'll have a faith just the size of a mustard seed, we could save that mountain and be thou removed. He told us to put on the whole armor of God so we could stand against the wiles of the enemy. He told us to stand like a tree planted by the water, unshakable, unmovable, not to let every wind and wave of doctrine change. He told us to flee from the very appearance of evil and that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he says, I will raise up a standard. Amen. That is what he said. Now, God has placed in my heart a word, one that's truly going to be challenged to us and one that's truly going to expose the enemy's tactics. One that will put me at war against demonic foes. I know I've been there before, but I'm going to stand boldly and declare, thus saith the Lord. I've come with a word from the Lord. Words that will overcome your enemy. Words that will challenge you. Words that will free you, though. In our pursuit of righteousness, God's going to speak plainly to our hearts. The truth, how many know the truth will set us free? I've said all that to get to where the Lord wants me to speak directly to you, and it's all going to fall into place in just a moment. I want to start by beginning to tell you. Satan is attracted to atmospheres, conditions, situations that give him the opportunity to infiltrate and operate in to fulfill his plan. And what does the word declare is his plan? To kill, steal, and destroy. You, your children, your families, your marriages, your ministry, your careers, your dreams, your destiny. He has an assignment for his demons to destroy the plan of God for your life. And we have to believe that this enemy is real. That there is a battle of enormous measure going on daily, hourly, 24-7 between evil and good. These battles are taking place in the heavenlies. Satan never rests. He's, a, he's adamant about his plan. But the good news, we serve a God who neither slumbers nor does he ever sleep. Daily, the Holy Spirit and evil spirits, they war in the heavenlies over our lives. But the good news is the outcome has done been determined. Read your Bibles, the book of Revelation. In the end, good wins and God prevails. Now, the Holy Spirit is a spirit, as well as is attracted, drawn to certain atmospheres, such as an atmosphere of praise. The Bible declares that God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, knowing this about the Holy Spirit, then you should know this about evil spirits. They are attracted to a certain atmospheres and invite their presence because you've created an atmosphere that Satan can dwell in. He attaches himself to immorality and sinful practices and rebellion, a form of witchcraft, sorcery, pornography, sexual immorality, sinful vices, to anything that opposes God to wrap up the list 
And when you create an atmosphere conducive to his evilness, it's like opening the window that gives the right to entry to demonic foes. A window of opportunity where he can come in like a thief. He's often referred to in scripture as a thief. Where he can come in like a thief and destroy your dreams and your destiny. Where he can operate and influence and wreak havoc in your life. He's so subtle. He's so deceitful. Trickery is especially. He sells his schemes based upon pleasures of the flesh. He waits and he plans for the day of opportunity. Then he goes for the juggler. He's ruthless. He laughs at your misfortune. He celebrates your tragedies. You're weeping and crying. His music to his ears. He attacks you when you're the most vulnerable. The question can be posed. If Satan can attack you and demons are real, can a home be controlled by demonic spirits? Are any of you familiar with a movie called The Amityville Horror Story? It says it was based upon a true story of a young man who killed his family, two sisters and one brother. His whole defense as to why he killed them was he said he heard voices in the house that told him to carry out that insane act of evil. And amazingly, a family moved in after them, the Lutz family, after the boy was sentenced to a life sentence. The family bought this house for a steal. It was a massive house. They said for $70,000. But yet 40 days later, the family ran out of the house one night and never returned. They claimed that the house was haunted. They said there was evil spirits in it that manifested themselves right before their eyes. Now, I don't understand everything about a place being haunted, but I believe when a horrific act of murder takes place, demonic foes were present during that time. And I believe that the blood of the innocent can speak. At a crime scene, they always look for blood, don't they, for evidence? Well, according to Genesis 4, we find this to be true when Cain slew Abel. If you know the story, Abel's blood spoke to God. And God told Cain, I hear the voice of your brother crying out to me. The voice was coming, church, from his blood. When innocent blood is shed, it has a voice that demons can hear and angels can hear in the spirit world. That's why we need to understand the power of the spirit world and the power of the blood. If innocent blood can send out signals that attract God, and if there's anything in the home that can work as a spiritual lightning rod and attracts demonic powers into your home, then you better listen very closely to me tonight. I believe then that certain things can be brought into your home and certain acts can be or could have been taken place in your home where it causes an atmosphere conditions that attract demonic foes into your house. Now stay with me. The question should arise, if the devil's active in your home, your marriage, your children's lives, how do I keep him out? When Satan comes, he will come. He comes and goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. Scripture even talks about how Satan will come back after you have cleaned the house and sweep the house to see if it can come back in or not. And if he can, he'll be seven times stronger than before. When he does, who are you going to call? Now, we're going somewhere. Turn your Bibles to Leviticus 14 if you want to. It's a passage of Scripture that I just read, a story that has to do with demonic powers haunting a home existing within. I know by now you're already wondering, where am I going? I just want you to hold on. I'm going to drive this thing home shortly tonight. In Leviticus 14, first of all, as I begin, know that leprosy in Scripture was symbolic of sin. If you had leprosy, you were deemed unclean, cast out of the city, forced into leprosy colonies. Required, if you came with 150 yards of someone that was clean, to scream, unclean, unclean. And many believed that you had leprosy. It was always because of sin that you had it. It was a curse on you. You were evil. Now, when the Israelites had come into the land God had promised them and defeated the Canaanites, the enemy fled and abandoned their homes. So the Israelites took over the homes. Are you following me? The Canaanites were evil people who worshipped God and committed evil acts. And leprosy was often commonly found amongst them. So upon the Israelites moving into these abandoned Canaanite homes, the Israelites were, according to Leviticus 14, they were to call for the priest to come and inspect the house to see if it was empty. 
And if no evil spirits were lurking, and if leprosy was present, if so pronounced it, ceremonial, unclean. And the priest would look to see if there were red and green streaks of containment that would go deep into the surface of the house as instructed. Why? Because upon hearing the Israelites were coming, many of these Canaanite people hid their idols by burying them in the walls to curse the Israelites. So when they moved into their house and they lived there, they would suffer with demonic foes. And they would be cursed or infected, and they wouldn't know why because it was hidden in the walls. The evil practices of the Canaanites' homes attracted these demonic foes that dwelled there in the unseen presence. Even many of these heathens would sacrifice the blood of their children in these homes. And God knew it, and therefore, to protect them, he sent instruction to Moses, here's what to do. I will expose the evil in these homes. Send the priests into the homes first. They will see the red and green streaks in the walls if evil is present. Now, let's get this thing started. God knew what had taken place in their homes. And believe me, God knows what takes place in our homes. Surprise, surprise. So God told Moses, he said, Moses, if when the priests go into the homes, there's red and green streaks that begin to manifest themselves, it's a sign there is a spiritual force at work in that home. Why? Because of what had been practiced in that home, attracted and created an atmosphere conducive for demonic foes to dwell. Now, listen to me closely. God said, when you find this, you need to dig through and into the foundations, and you'll find there are idol gods, demon powers in that home, hidden idolatry. So it says, Moses would call for the priest, and the priest would come, and he shut the home up for seven days. And the priest would take and cleanse the house for seven days, and if after seven days the streaks were still there, he knew it was a spiritual problem. Come on, somebody, help me preach. The only way they could get the streaks out was to take the blood of an innocent lamb and apply it. They were told to apply it to the doors and the walls of the house and that the blood would break the demonic powers over that house and cleanse the home. Here we go. I want you to understand, just as Israel had green, red and green streaks in their homes, here we are living in a time, if you could look spiritually in your home, ask the question, could you see red and green streaks in your home? And I will tell regardless whether you see it or not, God sees it. It's sin and it's idolatry. There's been things allowed in, brought in, Activity that's created in an atmosphere that attracts demonic influence. And God sent me tonight to speak. Sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly, people are attracting demonic foes into their homes. And I want you to understand, we don't just come in here and play church. The devil's real. Not only do we got to clean up our lives, we have to clean up our homes. We not only got to get God's glory back in the church house, we got to get it back in our house. Why? Because God said... His glory will be a defense in your dwelling places. It's in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 4. God says, I don't want you to be just blessed at church. I want your homes blessed. He says, though, here's the problem. People come to church and they get touched and they get blessed. All emotional, teary-eyed, come on. Yet we're all real good about hiding our issues as to putting wallpaper over the streets, covering them up so nobody can see them with the physical eye. But God wants me to tell you, I see them. We know how to come to church and act like we got it all together. Everything's great, and maybe it is in here. But if we look at our lives through spiritual eyes, we would see red and green streaks in our marriages that are affecting our homes and that are affecting our families. Our neglect to see is creating an atmosphere conducive to attracting demonic foes into our homes, and we don't even see it. Now, stay with me. God's got a lot to say here. I believe if their house isn't clean, that by the time they leave here and get home and put their key in the door and open it, they're walking back home into the devil's den. They're waiting for them, our principalities. 
that are influencing bitterness and cursing and immorality, all brought into the home, attached to vices of the enemy, drugs, alcohol, pornography, lust, greed, sexual morality, that has or has been existent in the home knowingly or unknowingly. Now, this may get tough for just a moment, but I'm going to tell you it's going to end up being good stuff. Kind of like bad taste in medicine, but it'll help you get better if you take it. God wants not only his presence in the church house. Folks, that's why it feels so good in here. But he also wants it in your house. That's why it feels good here and feels bad there. And God is saying you can have a church sanctified and kept holy, come to church, go to an altar, get touched by the presence of God, and it all, it's all good, and it should happen. But the minute you leave here and walk in your house and lay down and go to sleep with the enemy all night long again, it's not going to last very long. Why? Because the enemy that is entrenched in your home is going to kill, steal, and destroy it. What you got from here because of what you got going on there, are you hearing me? That's why when we get touched on Sunday, by Monday we're throwing in the towel. By Tuesday we want to leave him. By Wednesday we're back hanging out the wrong crowd. By Thursday you're signing divorce papers. By Friday you're quitting ministry. Come on, somebody. I've been wondering for a long time, why all of this nonsense? Why this roller coaster of religious circus that's still in town? We're having moves of God in here. We're speaking in tongues. We're running and we're dancing. And then we're falling apart two days later, quitting ministry and quitting church. And God says, Randy, the problem ain't in the church house. It's in the house. And God is saying, I've got to be more than just your Savior. I've got to be Lord of your life. I've got to be Lord over everything, not just your church house, but I've also got to be Lord over your house, my house. And when I am, you will never be sleeping with the enemy again. Why do we want the church house so right and holy, but yet everything can come and go in our house? God said, tell this body, you got stuff in your house, leprosy inscribed in the walls, due to what you are or what you aren't allowing to go on in your home. What you are in secret is who you really are. And God says, behind those closed doors, nobody's watching but me. There's stuff going on in your homes. Some of you know about, even participating in, there are some of you who aren't paying any attention, and it's happening in the room down the hall, and you're wondering why you're struggling. Somebody's opening the window. You're just not looking for it. It's in your home, but now it's going to take what it took in Moses' day to see it. It's going to take a spiritual eye to see the signs, to see the red and green streets. Come on. To see the sin, the practices of it. If you can't see it, ask God to reveal it. He did for the Israelites. you got to get this here. Now listen up, men. In order to see it in the homes, God told them to send a priest to the house. And God told me to tell every man in here. And if there's not a man in the home, then tell the leader of the home. It's time to be the priest of your home and clean it up. Go home. Lock it down for the next seven days. Clean it. Go from the front door to the back door. Go from the child's bedroom to your bedroom. Go from your children's closet to your closet. Clean up the leprosy. It's entrenched. Until you do, you're sleeping with the enemy. It's a time to be a spirit-filled man or woman of God and clean up the mess. Now, man, I put this on you. According to Scripture, you're to be the priest of your home. And it's time for a man to stand up and declare, as for me in my house, we shall serve the Lord. There's stuff in your house you know, and there's stuff you don't know. Maybe it took place before you even moved into your home. There was demonic activity going on before you ever moved in. There was before the Israelites had moved in to their homes, but they had to clean it up and drive it out. Go from the front door to the back door. Anoint your home. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your house. There are things going on in your home that are attracting demonic foes and influences into your home. 
affecting you and your family. That's why there's so much struggle. Better hear the word of the Lord. Keep on visiting those restricted sites on the internet and see if you don't end up committing sin. Keep on social drinking as you justify it. See if it don't lead you to sin. Keep having those knockdown drag outs in front of your children and see if it don't affect the lives in the years to come. Keep chatting online with someone other than your spouse. See if it don't lead to sin. Oh, we're just friends. That's how it always starts out. But when the only time you talk to him is when he's gone to work, if the only time you talk to her is when the wife's asleep, keep on telling yourself, find yourself, and you're going to find yourself driving down the road to Motel 6 and meet him. Keep allowing your children to consume hours of violence on the TV. See if it don't affect their behavior. Hey, I got a test for you because I remember this as a kid. As a little kid, if I watched a cowboy show or a bank robber show or a wrestling show, I'll guarantee you for that show was where me and my brothers were either bank robbers or we were wrestling or fighting or something. Tell me it doesn't influence them. See if it's not there influencing them as well. Keep watching shows that lead you to a depressive state of mind where it's all it's ever about is tragedy and murder and incest and abuse. Watch and see if they don't put your mind in a state of depression. Keep looking at those filthy magazines. See if it don't lead you to an addiction of sexual perversion. It happened to King David staring at Bathsheba, led him to commit adultery and plot a murder. Why? Because these things are results of demonic influence. It's real. Oh, now, Randy, well, let me tell you, come to the wrong person and try to convince me otherwise. Because I've spent the last 21 years counseling people whose lives have all been destroyed by these various things. And God is saying, it's time to stand and declare as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's time to walk into some homes and get rid of some things. It's time to clean them up. It's time to clean out some refrigerators. It's time to put some restriction codes on some computers. It's time to throw away some magazines and cancel some subscriptions. It's time to take, take some stuff off your child's bedroom wall. It's time to wash out some mouths with soap. It's time to throw away some of that unmodest clothing. It's time to set some curfews. It's time to pick who your kids can hang out with. It's time to respect some respect in your home. It's time to look through some cell phones. And it's time to tell Uncle Joe you love so much. Next time you're drunk and want to come over, don't. Because tomorrow when you're sober, but don't come back until you are. It's time to look under some beds. It's time to look through some closets. There should not be a room in your house that's off limits to you. It's your house. And anything that is not conducive to Christian living or would cause you or your children to stumble, throw it out. Randy, you're talking about legalism. No, I'm not. Don't you fall for that liberal justification. I'm talking about being right with God and defending your home. If it broke across the news tonight, there was a murderer running loose in your neighborhood. Ain't a single one of you wouldn't run to your doors and lock them and grab your guns and be prepared to defend your homes. But when it comes to the, super, the spiritual stuff, the supernatural stuff, too often we're just a little laxed in those areas. And we better be on our guards because I'm telling you what, what the enemy has released upon our nation at this given time, you better be prepared to guard yourself, guard your life, guard your children and your grandchildren. It's a war. There is a war on the horizon, church, and we got to be wise. So how did he clean up? He sent a priest who locked the house down for seven days. And for seven days, he went through the house and he cleaned it, even to the very foundation. Why seven days? Remember the number seven is what? The number of completion of sanctification. 
The only thing that removed the leprosy was the blood of the lamb. And God is saying, go to church, get yourself right, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and be the priest of your home. In your pursuit of righteousness, it's time to be empowered to have the authority you need to cast out devils. You need to be filled or refilled with the Holy Ghost so you'll receive power. Until you do, you won't see what's wrong. You won't look with your spiritual eyes. You won't understand the power of the little foxes that can destroy the vines. You won't be able to discern evil and the things attached to demonic activity unless you're spirit-filled. We so earnestly want the church house to be a holy place. We want our temple to be holy. But by the next day, we're defeated. Why? Because the home's not holy. God wants us to bring us to a place of complete restoration. He wants his glory to defend your dwelling. Now, here's why this message is so important to preach for those who are in the pursuit of righteousness. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, where I shared the message from, the red and green streaks represent the leprosy in the home, sin in the home. And as I was reading, God gave me a very strong word. See, prior to chapter 14, chapter 13 begins to talk about cleansing the leper, the person, symbolic of cleansing our lives of sin. It says to cleanse a leper who had leprosy, the cleanse of a person who has sin. First, they had to cleanse the leper. He had to have the leprosy, symbolic of sin, removed from his life. A ceremonial cleansing was performed. First, they removed their clothes and cleansed them. Second, they had to get rid of their clothing, symbolic in other words, get the things out of their lives that were infected, the things attached to their lives. For us to get right, we got to get the things out of our lives, the sin, to be clean. And then thirdly, they had to cleanse the homes they lived in. Here's what God showed me. You can come in here, and you can get yourself clean, clean up some things in your life that caused you to sin, but if you don't get your house clean, what good is it? See, God made them cleanse the lepers, cleanse their things, and then cleanse their homes. Now look in the physical realm for a moment to help you understand this for just a moment. If you go out... And you fall in a mud puddle, what happens? You and your clothes become filthy. The mud puddle causes you to be dirty, you and your clothes. Well, what will happen if you go home and muddy and walk in your house? Well, first of all, your wife would kill you. But let's leave her out of this for a moment. So you go into your house muddy, and you sit down on your couch. What happens? Now your house becomes dirty too. But what if you decide to clean up? You take your clothes off, you take a bath, but put your muddy clothes back on. What happens? You'll be dirty again, same as it is with sin. Well, what if you decide to take a bath and put on clean clothes, but go sit back down on that muddy couch? What good does it do to clean yourself up if you don't clean the house up? Same as what good does it do to have a clean house and you're dirty? Now, do you get it? So as it is in the natural, it is seen in the spiritual. And God is saying, what good is it going to do to come to church Clean yourself up, your life up, but not clean your house up. In order for us to truly have transformation, it has to be a complete cleansing. Your house has got to be holy, just as the church house has got to be holy. See, God dwells in the heart of men. So your body is the temple, as the pastor preached today. Your, your temple dwells where? In your house. And this is why so many people are struggling Oh, we can't do that or act like that in the church house, but we do in our house. And I want to tell you, God wants you all the more to act holy in your house as well as you do in the church house. He wants you to appear in the church house to be how you are in your house. 
Because if you're not, by the time you get home from the church house, you will have done lost what you got from God's house because you're sleeping with the enemy. You just can't clean up part of your life. God's saying we've got to clean it all up. What good would it have done for the lepers to be cleansed? Clothes cleansed. But yet then they went and lived in a house full of leprosy. It's just a matter of time they would have been infected by the leprosy again. And you can come in here and you can make things right with God, but unless there's right in the home, the leprosy, the sin will infect you again and again. God didn't want the sins of the others to affect Israel. Neither does he want our sins to affect others, our homes, our children. That's why you see so many people in and out, in and out. They get it right here, but they never get it right there. And God told me to tell you we're continuously desiring for the leaders of the church to be holy. We're continuing to desire for politicians to be holy. We're continuing to desire for leaders in the White House to be holy, and we should. He said, but the problem is those in the church houses and the White Houses come from your houses. And if we get our house right, then we'll get the church house and the White House right. And God says it's time to clean up our houses. Leaders of tomorrow are being raised in our homes. What kind of leaders they will be will be determined by what goes on in our homes. What are they influenced by, good or evil? And I don't care how much spick and span and Lysol you spray, it won't clean up spiritual dirt in the home. It'll look good on the surface. It'll make the house smell good. And a carnal mind will never see the red and green streaks, the stuff engraved in the walls, the hidden demonic stuff, the idolatry. Church, we're fighting an enemy we cannot see and you're sleeping with an enemy you cannot see. Until we become the priests of our homes and open up our spiritual eyes, you will never see the demonic activity that's truly taking place in our surroundings. Right there sometimes, even in your own home. What a challenging message. I tell you, it wore me out. The things we let slide in our homes, the confrontations we avoid, the blindness to the little foxes, oh, that won't hurt you. The liberalism, church Christianity is not liberal-based, it's liberty-based. We got things going on that we know and even participate in and think they're hidden. We got things going on we don't even know about. Young people, it's time for your parents to make you accountable. But parents, it's time for you to be accountable to the welfare of your children. When my children live in my home, or if anyone else should ever, they're accountable to me. And I'm accountable to God for their actions in my home. Now, when my children are grown and they're living outside my home, I can't control them. But for my house, I have to defend it. I can't let no one come dragging stuff in because I'm too weak to defend my own. It's time to say to, oh, no, you don't, Uncle Joe and Aunt Sue and Big Brother, not in my house. I know when my children fail, I don't hate them. I still love them. I will correct them and I will confront them. I won't endorse actions as to, whoa, well, they're just teenagers. No, I go to battle for their lives. I take it as a wake-up call that the enemy is trying to destroy them, that the fight's on. Because I know without demonic influence, they never would oppose God's principles that they've been taught. And Jesus said, I hate the sin, but I love the sinner. Why? Because he knows who the real enemy is. What a revelation. Wonder why you're touched on Sunday, struggling on Monday? Check your home. Wanted to get in ministry and quit, and two weeks later, check your home. Because in the beginning, sin fascinates, but in the end, it always assassinates. 
Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cause you to stay longer than you want to stay. We've heard that so many times. To be righteous is to be right with God in everything. God gave me instructions for the priests of their homes. God says, what good would it be to clean up you and not your home? Because it won't be clean very long. It's time to pursue righteousness. And God is instructing this body, men of your homes, priests, parents, go to your homes and start this. There'll be warfare. You better be ready. To begin this pursuit needs to start with prayer, corporate prayer. If it's your prayer for God to create in you a clean heart and clean hands, I'm asking this whole congregation to consider this. First of all, begin with repenting, cleansing yourself. Second, asking God to reveal to you what you don't see. Thirdly, to fill you with the power to clean your home. And then when you leave here, go home and clean up your house so that God's glory will defend your dwelling. It's time to clean up our acts and our houses. God is saying to the priests of the homes, go home, sweep the house, cleanse it. Plead the blood of Christ over your house and your home. Anoint your door facings. Defend your homes with the Spirit of God. Defend it from these spiritual demonic influences that are creeping into our homes. They're coming in through people. They're coming in through social media. They're coming in through, through the TVs. They're coming through the computers. All of this activity, and it's real. It's influencing your life and making a bigger impact on your life than what you think it's making. Watch, watch what you're watching, and then see how you act after you're done watching. See what's taking place. See how we're being deceived and rocked to sleep. See how it is when we think it's okay. I, 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 uh, I'm compassionate for so many that I know that they come to church and they want to live right. And they come here and they give their hearts and life to the Lord. They've been on addictions or whatever things they've been involved in their life. They come and the curse of sin is broken off their life. And they have nowhere to go but yet go back home to that home that's still full of addiction and perversion. And they're living, trying to live in, in that place. They're trying to stay alive in those places. And so often we'll see them when they try so hard, but then you don't see them after a while because they went back and they had to sleep with the enemy again. And the enemy wore them out and brought them back down time and time again. And I tell them when I see them, I said, as long as you keep going back to that place, you're going to continue in that place. Because the problem is they've got, they have a desire to live for the Lord. They can come here and it feels so good to it. It's so refreshing to them to change their life. They find a family that loves them. They find a place that won't abuse them. They find a place that will feed them and take care of them. They find this, this koinia with this body here and they love it. And it's wonderful, but they have to go back home to that hell they live in every day. And until they get a place, a clean place, a clean house, their struggle is going to be hard. And some of you, if you're not fighting that and you're not living that, you are so blessed. If it's good for you here in the God's house and it's good for you in your house, you are blessed people. But everybody doesn't have that privilege. And in the society we're living in and the kind of people that God's going to begin to see and to send into this house, we're going to see them. They're coming. And their lives are going to be so mixed up and messed up and they don't have no resources, nowhere to go. All they've got to do is to come in here and depend on their, their relationship with God. And it's got to be instilled into them to the point that they can live it here and they can live it there. And then through, that, through their spiritual relationship with God, God will begin to break those things in those homes. So they can finally have the freedom they need in their homes to have glory in their home as well. 
Tonight, I would like for you to stand with me as a body. I didn't want to deliver this message as something hard to you or something. I wanted to deliver this message to you like an alarm clock going off, saying, whoa, 